Tracy. And I'm Sharon. And we are Feet of Clay. Confessions of the Cult Sisters. Today we have a very special show for you as we kick off the Christmas season. And I couldn't think of a better episode than... The Flamey Grant Christmas Special! <laughs> I have my very own Christmas special! Yeah! It's amazing. Thank you for having me. The reason we thought about doing this is I found you when I started putting my Instagram page live uh, last year sometime, and I immediately found Flamey Grant. I was like, oh my God, I have to go find out what Flamey Grant is about because, of course, we are cult sisters that grew up in the area of the contemporary Christian music, kind of the, the launching of it all. And so Amy Grant was a big player in that sphere. And what is she known for? Her Christmas special. So Flamey, mm-hmm. I'm such a fangirl. So um, <laughs> I would love to hear you talk to us just about your introduction to the CCM world that's been recently going like wildfire. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's been crazy. My introduction to the CCM world, though, was through my local Christian bookstore, The Carpenter Shop in Asheville, North Carolina, growing up in the 80s and 90s. I was only allowed to listen to music that we, you know, my family considered Christian. So if it was at our local Christian bookstore, I was allowed to get it. And if Mm. it wasn't, I I probably couldn't. So, um, I mean, I found Amy Grant early, early on, mostly through like songs we would sing in church. You know, we would sing El Shaddai and Thy Word Mm -hmm. and things like that in church. So I knew her, I knew her from those, but um, became a big fan as soon as I started listening to music myself. And, um, yeah, I listened to contemporary Christian music basically through college. And then it turned into like the whole genre, like pivoted and turned into worship music, which is terrible and awful. (laughs) And no one should ever be forced to listen to worship music or participate in worship music. And I say this as someone who was a worship leader for 22 years. Um, And then, uh, so I stopped listening to CCM then, but yeah, now I'm a a Christian music chart topping drag queen somehow. So I I guess I'm I'm back in the game. (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) Yeah. So our roots go back to our cult commune at Last Day's Ministry, started by legendary Keith Green. And we were in the Garden Valley area that was really a mecca for contemporary Christian artists. We had Second Chapter of Acts there, Jamie Owens Collins, back in the day with Barry McGuire. So these would probably have predated your contemporary Christian music because you're a little bit younger than we are. <laughs> you're a lot younger than we are. <laughs> Not a lot. I mean, I they did predate me a little bit. They weren't what I was listening to, but I'm aware of, you know, like they were in the ether still. And I certainly... You know, I subscribed to like CCM magazine as a teenager, so I would read stories about all of these things. But I don't actually know all that much about Keith Green's commune. And I know your listeners <laughs> like I know your listeners do, but I wonder if I could just get like the, you know, two minute like what Oh yeah. What? He had okay. a commune? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go really, really fast. Okay. 
in the late 70s, it's out of the Jesus People movement. Keith starts bringing people into his house because he's proselytizing and they're getting saved and he wants to get them off the streets. And then he rents about seven different houses in the suburbs of Woodland Hills, California. And then who knows if the code violation is going to catch up with him. So then he wants to relocate and buys 500 acres in East Texas and sets up a commune. And we try to raise cows and chickens and we fail miserably at everything. But it's last day's <laughs> ministries because Jesus is coming back soon. And then he wants to give everything away and never charge again for his concerts. But he needs lots and lots of people to work for him. So we work and we work (laughs) six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. We don't get paid and we print tons and tons, shit tons of proselytizing articles and tracks. And then he gets himself killed in a plane crash in 1982. Bam. There it is. Bam. (laughs) And that was the year I was born. So maybe (laughs) I am Keith Green reincarnated. (gasps) And I've learned from my mistakes. I'm just saying. Oh, my God, girl, that would be great. (laughs) I would so love that. Uh, Yeah, so he was kind of a meteor in Christian music because he decided that he shouldn't charge for his albums. So in a lot of Christian lore, people will really herald him for that. But what they don't know is that he had this whole infrastructure of free labor (laughs) and commune work that enabled that to take place, right? Yeah. That's wild. That wouldn't be possible for a lot of people to do. Yeah, there were some, there were Christian artists being kind of shamed because first he started doing the concerts for just love offerings. But you know, who can really survive on that, right? Yeah. And he held it out. Yeah, if it's if this is a ministry and we're preaching the gospel, we can't charge for the gospel. And so it did start kind of this crisis in the late 70s, early 80s, where people were questioning the integrity and the commitment of other CCM artists. But he's the only one who had a slave wow. labor force, so he could do it and others couldn't. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That's so wild. Yeah. So so when I found, well, first of all, like I said, I found you on Instagram last year sometime before we really started this project. And I immediately sent Sharon the video of what did you drag me into? And I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. An American scene Lost in the cover of a magazine Bible built baby wanna be a queen Lord mama tried to keep a little boy clean She found him with her high heels On a two foot train of green chiffon That messy lip was overdrawn It was shocking and obscene Mama knows that she's been blessed And she's always done her best To cheer her Nativity, Papa's in the front row trying to see, rubs his eyes cause he can't believe, Mary, Mary, Mother Mild is played by a familiar child, his son is walking down the aisle to a virgin shall conceive, Papa takes most things in stride, and he works hard to provide, he likes tradition, and when gender rolls 
And nothing you can say or do is gonna turn that shimmer down. There ain't no need to be ashamed. But if you want someone to blame, look up to heaven and cry, Lord, what did you drag me into? Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> and then I saw you at the Book in the Bell in Maryville. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that was all before then. Then you made this post of like, hey, Sean, I call him fucked, F-E-U-C-H-T, <laughs> challenged you. So tell us a little bit about that. And I immediately was like, we have to get her on and do all we can to help catapult you into the charts because this is near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. What a, what a summer it was. I, (laughs) Sean, if you're not familiar, he's a self-described MAGA worship leader. (laughs) He is responsible for all of the um, COVID worship concerts that you probably heard about at the height of COVID that were happening, you know, with just like hordes of unmasked people singing Mm. their praise to God. (laughs) While God, if God was watching, was probably up there tapping their foot, being like, um, y'all, y'all gonna get sick and die. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Sean, um, I don't know, he he tweeted, he tweeted about me and, and some of my collaborators, Derek Webb, uh, in particular, and said that, well, this is the end goal of deconstruction, everyone a drag queen infiltrating Christian music or whatever. And, and so I was, you know, I was a cheeky drag queen in my response. And I said, (laughs) end goal, baby, baby, we're just getting started. It's not the end goal. Love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he, he had a little knee jerk reaction to that tweet and said, well, good thing. No one listens to you or cares what you do. (laughs) And I said, challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Before you know, next thing I knew, I, I literally woke up the next day because I, I went on my TikTok and told the story and said, "Hey, maybe we can, maybe we could get my album to chart on the Christian charts. What do y'all think?" And people thought yes, um, and they did. They made it happen. So I'm the first drag queen to ever chart on the Christian charts, and not just chart, but my album set at number one for nine days in number July and August one. this summer. Number one, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was, I was, if you opened up iTunes, which admittedly iTunes is, it's a bit of a relic of a bygone era. We don't really use iTunes that much anymore. Wait, but wait, wait, nonetheless, wait, 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 really? Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I've just learned how to do it. <laughs> oh, well. But Sharon, Sharon, we're relics of the bygone era. So continue. <laughs> okay. Listen, okay. Listen, me too. Me too, girl. <laughs> I mean, I released an album that would sit very comfortably in 1998 Christian music. So let's, we're all just relics here. But uh, no, it's, it's people stream now. They don't really, not a lot of people buy MP3s anymore, but you can still do that on iTunes. And so that's what, that's what ended up happening. People went and bought the MP3 and for nine days, when you opened your iTunes, 
my pink haired wigged painted face was the literal face of Christian music for nine days. So that was a fun thing. Um, no, 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 that's just not fun. <laughs> that is fucking fantastic is what that is. It was. It really was. Yes. I loved it. I did. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I posted on my Instagram the picture when Keith Green made the cover of CCM magazine and then you on the CCM front cover of the magazine. <laughs> and just what a beautiful story through time that is. And I love the idea of the reincarnated version. Um, oh, my God. Because this wasn't just a gimmick. I mean, your music is really powerful. I mean, it's yes. very, the, the lyrics are really impactful. And You know, we have a close brother that used to be a part of that commune who didn't know he was queer back in the day and now is out. I mean, and he said it just brought tears to his eyes knowing how much hope that was bringing to so many in, Mm. you know, caught in these circles that don't have a voice. So Mm -hmm. it's not like it's awesome, but it's also amazingly impactful, Flamey. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I mean, yes, it's fun to be cheeky and especially drag lends itself to, you know, uh, caricatures and extremes. But um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, yeah, I I mean, I see myself as an artist and that's what I love to do. I love to, I've been writing songs long before I was doing drag. And so I I see myself as a singer songwriter and I take that work seriously. So I appreciate that you, you know, see past the gimmick <laughs> um, or, and, and also recognize that it's not just a gimmick. I mean, there is obviously right. an element of being a drag queen in this space that is provocative and intentionally. So, right. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here and like play innocent and be like, Oh no, I'm just da, da, da. like, no, <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm drag queen. And I released my album in the Christian genre. Like that's an intentional choice I made. But at the same time, like drag is, very much a part of my own journey, my own spiritual journey. And that's what the songs are about. You know, it's about that journey from mm-hmm. fundamentalism to where I am today. And and that's why I think it qualifies as a Christian record. <laughs> it absolutely does. More than qualifies. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a couple follow-up questions about that faith journey. But first, I do want to say that, yeah, the drag persona I get what you're saying, you know, the flamboyance, it it does help draw attention. But what I love about it is just stepping out into authenticity and vulnerability and not having to fit into a mold. And I think there are so many people who have been raised or got dragged into fundamental evangelicalism and the whole cult Mm. mindset and the oppression. And of course, those who are in the queer community are going to experience a certain amount of oppression. And others who are not in the queer community are also experiencing oppression. And I love that message of freedom and movement and embracing who you are. I think it is so powerful and so empowering and really makes a difference. I, the first time I heard your song, It's a Good Day to Come Back Home, I. I just was in tears. There's such a healing part of that. For me, the coming back home isn't a church building or anything like that, but it's coming home to who I really am. It's been a while since I sat with you Without a knot in my chest, oh It's been a while since I've wanted to I always felt a little oppressed, oh, it's been a while 
It's been a while since I went ahead And let down my guard Cause I carry the weight of the words you said That makes it just a little bit hard To reject the lies you perpetuate But you're not the keeper of the pearly gate And it's been a while But I'm coming back to fight
it's coming home to who I really am. And that is the banner. That is the flag that you fly, Flamey, and I love it. Oh. It's, it's just priceless. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I love that you chose two words that people might not immediately associate with drag, right? Authenticity and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because you can, f- from an external position, you can look at drag and be like, oh, there's nothing authentic about it. Like, we're painting our faces to look entirely different. We're wearing prosthetics. We're like, you know, it's it's not not natural. It's, you know, we're creating something new. But it is an authentic expression because what it what Absolutely. drag does is, in addition to being a tool, uh, a, a tool of gender fuckery, right? That just is like <laughs> there to point out the <laughs> point out the absurdity of gender norms in our society and and, yeah. the, and the binary system that most of us grow up in. In addition to that, it drag it like any art. It's an extension of of the artist, right? Like it's we're taking what's inside and we're manifesting it externally in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sculpting or painting, but I I am sculpting and painting my face, like mm-hmm. and, and my body, and 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 so it's very much an authentic expression in that way. And then vulnerability, like people, you know, the thing about drag is like, oh, drag is fierce, you know, and you have to like put it's like it's like your armor like you put on your armor and you go out and you you know take on the world and conquer the world and do your death drops and stunt and slay on stage and all this and that is a wonderful huge part of drag culture obviously and one that I'm here for but at the same time there is what I've discovered for myself in my little drag journey over the past few years is that there's there is a softness a tenderness a vulnerability because for me it is connecting yeah. to um, the feminine in me that was suppressed and oppressed for so long because I was yeah. raised to be a man in the church, which meant a certain, it meant a certain, <laughs> I had to behave a certain way. I had to live a certain That's way. Right. I had to do certain things. And femininity, you know, especially in these high demand places is equated with weakness. And mm-hmm. so you can't, I, I couldn't explore my femininity right. growing up in that, in that. So this is a absolutely a way to be vulnerable, not just with the world around me, but with myself, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, Brene Brown is the vulnerability um, <laughs> expert superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't need, I don't need to like reiterate all of the work she does, but I mean, that vulnerability is strength. We, we know this from, from the data, thankfully that, that she's given us. So yeah, powerful stuff. Yeah, it is. You know, something you said about the idea of, as you were growing up, what you needed to fit into with the masculinity, you know, the stereotype, the here's the box that you need to fit into. And any expression of your own feminine side is obviously, obviously of the devil. Yeah. It's not as extreme for women growing up, but Tracy and I, it wasn't so much about our sexual orientation because we're both straight white women, but Mm -hmm. that scripture about that gentle and quiet spirit, it's like, yeah, mm, we're not mm. gentle and quiet. And so we <laughs> didn't fit into that mold, but we tried to. And that was part of the right. suppression, the suppression of who we are, not able to be authentic until we finally got out of that prison. I interrupted yeah, you, Tracy. I, no, no, I was just going to say exactly almost that. It resonates so much with so many of us fundies who have had oppression and suppression in so many areas. and. 
when we, we didn't call it deconstructing, but we came out of our fundamentalist ways Mm -hmm. over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And drag was actually a big healing outlet for me. I started immediately going to drag brunches and I was connected in Philadelphia to a jeweler who threw this amazing um, Halloween party. And it was that hook for me of this being out and proud and Mm -hmm. turning it all upside down on its head and just being a source of freedom. And which brings me back to living in Tennessee. So, I mean, that's been something that, you know, Sharon and I have shared. We, you know, I invited her to that Halloween party where we got to, to dress up and experience that free part of ourselves. And so all of this has been going on for 20 years. And then I have been in Tennessee for what, about seven. And all of a sudden there's this anti-drag bill that is getting passed. And <laughs> so and fucked I, up. <laughs> it is so fucked up. And, you know, I was driving home from work and all of a sudden on the news station is Flamey Grant (laughs) being quoted because you joined the ACLU of Tennessee to fight the ban for the Blunt Pride, which I then attended because I was like, well, I have to go and support this. And can you tell us a little bit about what's kind of pulled you into this Tennessee anti-drag bill on it? And thank you first of all, for being a voice that went on record and helping to really push against these laws that are trying to shut this down. Yeah. Man, um, it just goes to show that, like, existing authentically as yourself in the world as a queer person is an act of resistance, right? Because I didn't ask for any of this. I would not go seeking out this lawsuit in any way, shape, or form. What happened was I got booked at Blunt Pride months and months ago, long time ago, before... Uh, was it before? Uh, I don't, I can't remember if it was before that the drag ban was actually proposed or enacted or anything, but, um, it was, it was before there was a, a hint of like the drag ban might come to Blunt County. Right. So, um, booked at Blunt Pride, uh, was very excited about it because as you said, I had played the bird in the book there in Maryville, Tennessee, uh, a year prior. And I knew that there's a strong queer community there that loved art and loved, loved music and showed up, showed up and showed out. So I was excited to come back and, um, we scheduled it, um, the, the way it, it fell, it fell right in the middle of what was going to be my cross country move from San Diego back to Western North Carolina, where I live now. So I was like, well, I guess we're going to figure out a way to stop with the U-Haul and do a do a drag show um, in Tennessee. Amazing. So that's what that's what was happening. I was driving a U-Haul across the country and I got a call when we were in Albuquerque from Blunt Pride and they were like, hey, so the district attorney here has sent us all letters saying that he is going to enforce the drag ban that has already been ruled unconstitutional in Memphis. Um, apparently he sees a big difference between West and East Tennessee. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) So he's, he's like, based on the marketing of the event, it looks like you guys are going to be in violation of the drag ban. I am going to enforce it and potentially prosecute anyone who violates it, which would include me, obviously. So, um, they obviously blunt pride called in the ACLU uh, and thank God for the ACLU. Cause they do such good work. Um, they immediately put together this lawsuit, invited me to be part of it, warned me at the outset. They're like, this is going to, you know, this could put a really negative spotlight on you from, from people on the other side, conservative folks. And uh, I was like, listen, I, I just topped the Christian charts. I don't think that, 
<laughs> I don't think that there's any spotlight th- that's going to be brighter than that uh, in terms of like people who are upset at drag finding me. Like I'm pretty sure they found me already. <laughs> so um, it wasn't that, you know, everybody kind of says, Oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like I, it, it felt very, it felt very necessary. Like, they the ACLU said it will be very helpful to have an artist who's actually impacted by this on the lawsuit. And I was like, great, like, of course, put my name on that. So I, I guess I can't really talk about it all that much in depth, because it is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. But uh, what did happen that weekend was that we were granted a temporary restraining order against the district attorney and the police. So they they could not arrest they, they, they were they were banned from enforcing the drag ban. <laughs> And now that drag ban is still, you know, under appeal in the, I think the sixth circuit now. And I'm I'm on that lawsuit now too, somehow. It's it all kind of got put in one big lawsuit. So we'll see where that goes. But obviously my hope is that the trend continues and it gets struck down for good in Tennessee so that we can just move on from this. We can move on without yeah. this, you know, and as somebody who went to to the Pride event. I mean, they're definitely, you know, this is a really big gun state. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, there's that sense of is some crazy person out there going to try to make a statement? So there is a lot of bravery. I mean, you can deflect that, but it is a lot of of bravery to come out and support that. And, you know, that was something that was like, uh, I think I was getting ready to travel the next day. I was like, I have to go. Like, I have Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. and, and make a statement and get all my friends to support this because this, this has got to be struck down. Yeah. Which brings us to Tennessee Connection. So, you know, I have I have hoped that there would one day be an Amy Grant Flamey Grant collaboration. <laughs> you and me both, sis. Uh, you and me so. both. <laughs> have you had any like communication or interactions with Amy Grant? Not with Amy directly. I've not met her yet. I really hope to one day. Yeah. Um I, I've talked with a lot of people who are kind of in her circle, a couple of people on her team, that sort of thing. And so, you know, I know she's very aware that Flamey exists. And um, the the report is that, you know, Team Amy is very much, they're kind of cheering me on from the sidelines. You know, they okay. I think they're very happy with everything. I know that she was getting calls from her, some of her fan base, um, you know, to like send a cease and desist to this, this drag queen and that kind of thing. And, and, that's not going to be a thing that they're going to do. So that's good. Yeah. One day, one day, one day, I hope to meet her. One day. You know, I remember going to one of her concerts. This must have been in the late 70s, early 80s. I don't remember, probably early 80s in Texas. And of course, Tracy and I, we were so steeped in this intensity of Christianity, you know, and everybody's got to get saved and everybody's going to hell and you got to make every single second count for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And she was in this uh, stadium and there was some problem with part of the sound system somewhere. And so some of the folks in some of the seats weren't hearing when she was talking in between songs Mm. and they started screaming, you know, and she handled it. She just had so much grace and poise. And she said, Hey, I'm sorry about that, guys, but let me just reassure you what I'm saying right now. It's it's not going to change your lives, so it's it's okay. And I'll be singing again soon, something like that. And I remember in my like crazy, intense, self-righteous, arrogant, holy, holy, holy <laughs> Christianity, I thought, 
well, girl, why are you talking at all then? If it's not going to change their lives, you should shut up. <laughs> oh, my word. And now, I look, oh. and now I look back and think, wow, she was probably so much more balanced. <laughs> not probably. She was definitely so much more balanced than all of us were at that crazy time. <laughs> I know. Yes. She had to do the. Well, y'all said, you know, you, you didn't use the word deconstruction. I didn't either. I quote unquote deconstructed right before that became kind of a buzzword. Mm-hmm. I just called it apostasy. I was like, well, I'm a heathen <laughs> now. Yep. But she was going through that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, like mm-hmm. dealing with like cancel culture from evangelicals mm-hmm. and things like that. Like it was. Yeah. She had to grow fast. Yeah, we were brutal. So bringing it back to the Christmas special. So one of her most famous songs is A Tennessee Christmas. So I thought it would be really appropriate as we kick off the Christmas season that part of this is being recorded in Tennessee and especially with the anti-drag bill that's out there, being able to have a flamey grant Tennessee Christmas. <laughs> so I would really just like to know, uh, I guess, what your favorite memory of Christmas is or one of your cringeworthy, fundy memories of Christmas, and then how you have changed maybe celebrating the season since your deconstruction. Ooh, let's see. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's so many to choose from, you I see. Know, I know. Um, we got all day, girl. We got all day. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I have the... Um... <laughs> Go as much as you want. <laughs> I uh, I have the song, What Did You Drag Me Into? Uh, you know, the second verse is about the Christmas nativity at my church growing up. And I tell people when I perform this song, look, it's autobiographical, but it's but I'm a drag queen. So I, I've thrown a few rhinestones on there. It's embellished <laughs> to touch. I love it. And, and that's that's the verse I'm referring to, because in that verse, I, got, I kind of imply that I played the Virgin Mary in our church nativity, which I didn't. I just wanted to. Oh, <laughs> I just, like, I awesome. just, that was the part I desperately wanted to have. And I got stuck as a boring angel singing Silent Night. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, like it was, Christmas was interesting. Um, one year, I remember I got Amy Grant's House of Love record. So when, when I think that came out in '94, so I was 12. Um, mm. So I got I got it on cassette that year, and was so excited. And I think that year Christmas fell on a Sunday because we, after opening our presents, we went. To church. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know, right? Like it's horrible. It's Christmas Day, but that doesn't mean we're not going to church. <sighs> and so I, I put the cassette in the car, the stereo, to play on the way to church. And like a few bars in, I don't know that I don't know if my mom like didn't realize that you know Amy Grant was singing quote unquote secular music at that point, but um, <laughs> or you know just like normal pop music. Um, no organ. It didn't but, uh, have an organ, right? <laughs> It it didn't have an organ and Jesus name was nowhere to be found in those first few bars. And she, she realized she was like, this is a love song. And I was like, yeah, I think it is a love song. And she's like, she ejected it and was like, we're going to listen to Jesus music on the way to church. Not this. So, you know, we had, we had our fun, fun moments uh, around Christmas, but um, I don't know for me, Christmas now is definitely my favorite holiday much to my husband's chagrin it's it's not his and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't get it and honestly i don't get it either because like why why christmas i don't know there's just something in the air that i still love and honestly amy's 
I didn't listen to the Tennessee Christmas record growing up. I actually listened to um, Home for Christmas. That's my definitive Amy Christmas record. Uh, I didn't find the other ones until later. But we would go to my grandma's house on my dad's side on Christmas Eve every year. And she had a CD stereo system before before they were like common in houses. And um, I was always like amazed at this CD player. And she, one of the c- few CDs she had was Amy Grant's Home for Christmas record. And I would go and put it on and just that that thing would be spinning on repeat the entire weekend. Mm. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like Amy's part of my Christmas memories in that way and and being at my, my grandma's house in South Carolina. So I hope I get to do a, a Christmas record one of these days. I think that'd be so fun. I would love that. Oh my gosh, you have to. Yes, you have to. And, you know, one of the things through the Christmas season, I noticed that it is hard season for a lot of people who are deconstructing. Totally. And for me, I'm a lot like you. I mean, I think the pagans had it first. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole you know, winter solstice and, Mm. you know, the elfish fantasy. So, I mean, I've been able to adopt all of that and still love the magic of Christmas, right? Is probably what I I concentrate in now. But when my kids were little, we did the whole nativity calendar where each day you pulled out a symbol of the Jesus story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And told them leading up to that. So it's definitely changed, but... When you're out and about and you hear some of the Christmas hymns, mm-hmm. um, what's your relationship with those that are very highly centered on the Jesus story? Yeah. You know, I um, I mean, I was a worship leader up until last year. Wow. The last eight and a half years, I was at a, I was at a very progressive, inclusive, affirming Christian mm. church. So, so, you know, I've been doing those songs my entire life, every, every Christmas and, um, I found ways around some of them. I mean, some some are, are actually really good. Like it came upon a midnight clear, I feel like is actually a really awesome story, like way to tell that story. And I love, so I love that hymn. And mm. I don't know. I feel like Christmas music more than any other church music, I'm able to kind of disassociate a little bit from the, like maybe some of the narrative that's underlying it. Also, I just, I started introducing more like carols and like modern, like holiday songs, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff into um, our church services. So we would do like, like the Christmas waltz, we would do that at at our church. And one of my favorite resources for melancholic Christmas music and like reckoning with the season and how hard it can be is a band called Over the Rhine. I don't know if y'all are familiar with them. Mm -mm. They're out of Cincinnati, their husband, wife duo, they've been around forever and they've released a couple, maybe three now, Christmas records over the years that rival Amy's in terms of like how important they are to me and my Christmas experience. And it's all about like they're kind of pretty somber, melancholic records, but they're perfect for winter because that's kind of where mm. a lot of us want to be, especially like, you know, like seasonal affective disorder and things like that. Like, you know, you, you like, I, I I don't know. For me, like I like sitting in the melancholy. It can be very healing and helpful for me. Mm. And they they just kind of wrestle with the like hard places of Christmas. And yeah. so I've I've taken some of their songs and brought them into like churches that where I've led Christmas music. I'm actually doing a little winter magic. We're calling it winter magic tour this December. Mm, I like that with um, fellow artists, uh, my fellow artists Chris Matthews and Rebecca Loby. So we're just four nights in the Southeast, North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. I think I'm going to do some Over the Rhine songs there on that tour. That's great. 
information on those dates and how people can come see you? Is that on a website yeah. or? It's all, yeah, all on my website, flamygrant.com. I also post shows on my socials and things like that. Great. The best way to make sure you get them, I'll make a little plug for my email newsletter. Sign yes, up for yeah. my email newsletter. You can sign up right on my website, flamygrant.com. And that's the best way to make sure you get all the, all the deets. Perfect. Well, we'll put that in the show notes too. Yes, we will. I appreciate it. I want to be respectful of your time. And so I love the winter magic. That's something that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I've just been able to incorporate the Christmas story as a mythology, right? I love mythologies. I love stories. Storytelling has some some great nuggets that you can pull from when you're not looking at it literally. Yeah. So I love to hear you say that. And is there anything else in the Flamey Grant Christmas special that you wanted to be sure to either say or comment on? <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, this isn't Christmas related and it'll, it, it will have already happened, I expect, by the time that this comes out. But I am set to release my first quote unquote holiday themed song. It's not really a Halloween song. <laughs> it's just I'm releasing it uh, this month in October around Halloween. And the song's called Fortune Teller. Awesome. So we're theming it with, you know, it's like it kind of fits. It fits with spooky season a little bit. So that's coming out soon um so yeah can't wait i'm a medium i'm a fortune teller i know every word you're gonna say i'm a headstrong lifelong city dweller i can take you where you're going by the fastest way we're gonna be okay I travel time, I'm here from the future I can show you how this all turns out I can save you with the data in my computer We could flourish in the flood and avoid the drought Yeah, we're gonna make it out You feel it in your blood Just smile and nod 
I'm ramping up. I'm working my way up to Christmas. We'll start with a little spooky season. And then maybe next year we can try to get a Christmas record together. I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, I do love doing drag at Christmas. Like holiday drag is so fun. It's it's so easy, first of all, because there's already a bazillion costumes that are easily accessible for the holidays. So uh, it just makes drag a little easier. And then yes, you get- and sparkles and glitter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all the fun. And you get to sing sexy songs about Santa Claus and <laughs> So, and one of one of the points I try to make in Tennessee is, you know, obviously drag and burlesque are different, but yes, I'm a huge burlesque fan as well. So, one of my first Christmas burlesque shows that I went to was when they had the Christmas Story lamp, the famous lamp from the Christmas Story, and it was a pole, and they did a whole pole dancing on the Christmas Story lamp. It was brilliant. brilliant. I love it. Love it. Yes. Oh man, San Diego, where I, I. kind of cut my drag teeth, if you will, the burlesque and drag scenes are very much intertwined. And yes, we do a lot with uh, burlesque dancers in San Diego. So it was always a great experience. But I never saw a Christmas burlesque, I don't think so. It is fun. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound fun. Tracy, you was it one of my was it my birthday that you gave me and some of my friends, we all did a burlesque lesson this is tracy took us out for burlesque lessons yeah awesome it was sharon's 50th birthday and we had a burlesque show lesson yes it was great i love it (laughs) all right well we're going to put in our show notes all the connections and even if you send us the spooky season because i'm right there with you I spent all day yesterday decorating my house. Halloween is also (laughs) one of my favorite holidays. So fun. So we would love to post your links and connection to that story before this goes live. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing about Keith Green's commune. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'll tell you one other thing. And Tracy, we should, I don't know, who knows? Maybe we'll add this on at the end. We'll do a little dissection. Yeah, we needed to really tamp down any joy at Christmas. There is a wonderful article that Keith wrote, Mm -hmm. I think, in 1979 called Christmas Morning, (gasps) M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Oh, no. It's great because it's Santa Claus weeping at the foot of the cross with Jesus hanging there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's let's get in the Christmas spirit, man. (laughs) That was the flavor of our commune. Yes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yes. What a mess. Yeah, but we got great stories to tell. We got great stories now. (laughs) And see, that's the magic. That is the magic is finding, you know, what do they say comedy is? A tragedy plus time. So there you go. It's good. Finding finding your joy, finding the community that you can like resonate Mm -hmm. with and can laugh at those stories together. Like that's what all of this is. And I think it's great. Yes. Wow, that was truly, truly wonderful. Talking with the one and only Flamey Grant. Oh my goodness, thank you so much, my soul sister Tracy, for making that happen for all of us. I know, I am so excited, and that was such an honor and privilege, and to host her own Christmas special. (laughs) You know, those last points that she was sharing about finding your joy, finding your community, laughing together. Oh my gosh, just such beautiful and healing truth. I mean, it's just truth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
And I'm going to also add crying together, you know, because sometimes that's also a big part of the healing. Yeah, that was so poignant. And everybody, we recorded that conversation with Flamey back on October 9th, which was before she released her very brand new song, Fortune Teller. Mm -hmm. Oh, and because this one episode is dropping in late November, Sharon and her amazing editing skills was able to put (laughs) that song as something special to our listeners. And when I was listening to the preview, it was like, it really is like a Christmas special with the songs and everything. (laughs) It is. And thank you, Flamey, for giving us permission to put your songs right here into this episode. And, And folks, Go and look up if you're if you're like me. I can't always pick out every single word of the lyrics in the song, so I love reading them as well. And her lyrics are just amazing. Mm-hmm. There's this one towards the end of Fortune Teller. I love these words. Quote, but this world ain't ready for an allegory. No, we're still waiting on a literal God. I just smile and nod. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that just like gave me goosebumps. The mm-hmm. the insight of that is so profound. And her gentle gracefulness to just smile and nod. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that just really moved me, you know, because I kind of tend to want to be a bull in a china shop, you know, and <laughs> smack people upside the head like, what the fuck is wrong with oh. you? But being able to just smile and nod. And nod. And accepting people kind of where they are, you know? Yes, which is is an attribute of grace, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you can find the music of Flamey Grant in so many places, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, and we encourage you to listen and stream and download and mm-hmm. really help spread the word. And Sharon... I think you and I are hoping that we might be able to see Flamey together ourselves in concert sometime in the spring of 2024. Yeah, right, sister. Absolutely, we got to do that. It will be so much fun. So yeah, like you said, we're going to put links in our show notes and folks out there, hopefully you can find concert dates that might be in your area as well. And uh, I kind of like now that we're making Flamey's music another joyful part of our healing journey. Yes. And about that healing journey. So we had planned to take some time off from recording, but in the past few weeks, we've been thinking and talking and hearing from listeners about this upcoming holiday season, which we're kicking Mm -hmm. off here and how I know this can be a really hard and difficult time for so many that are a either coming out of extreme fundamentalist belief systems or Mm -hmm. controlling cults, Mm -hmm. or especially because there may be broken or strained family relationships. And then when you concentrate on family, it can be just very, very, very hard. And friends too. Like some of us had our best friends in those belief systems and, and now we don't have them as besties anymore. We don't. And then just that inner wrestling. What do you do with the holidays? What it used to Mm -hmm. symbolize for us? What does it symbolize now? And so we can so relate to all of those. And Mm -hmm. we thought it would be good if we came on and kind of shared a little bit of what we've learned and how we kind of handle the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the opportunities for toxic shame and false guilt And then like this traumatic fear for those to raise their ugly heads within our hearts. I mean, we get it. 
we definitely wrestled with those things. And you know, Tracy, I was thinking about like hearing the standard songs like, Oh, come all ye faithful. And I then I recognize that we've left some or all of that faith behind, and it can feel overwhelming at times. And I think those three things, shame, guilt, and fear, I think they are way worse than even Fluffy Hagrid's three-headed dog. Oh, mm. God, my God. Did you just... <laughs> Add a Harry Potter reference into our Christmas special? Of course, of course. Oh. Damn right I did. Oh, my God. So, dear listeners, we're going to work on that episode, and we're hoping to release on December 13th just to talk about navigating these very turbulent holiday waters. Yep, yep. Between now and then, be gentle to one another. Be kind to one another. But most importantly... Start with being gentle and kind to yourself. That sometimes is so hard to do. And if you're interested, we've got a Facebook group where you can connect with others who are also on this journey. Feet of Clay, Confession of the Cult Sisters, community. Community. So yes, please share our podcast with your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and don't forget to check out our Instagram. I might just put up a picture of the Harry Potter dog with maybe wreaths around their necks or something. <laughs> um, that is Instagram. How about drag Feet wigs of- and glitter. Drag wigs mm-hmm. and glitter, please. Okay, I might need some direction from you since I've never really read all the Harry Potter series, but... Wait, 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 wait. You're kidding me, right? (laughs) I am not kidding you. I read the first book, and then I've seen the movies out of order, so... Oh, my God, woman. I don't know if I can even be friends with you anymore. I know, I know. Listeners, I didn't know if I wanted to confess that here. That's the confession of this cult sister. Oh, uh, dear. But check it out. Instagram, feetofclay.cultsisters for some super fun stuff and some poignant <laughs> stuff and letting you know the latest oh. of what we're doing. Oh, 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 oh. Did you ever find those like personal, very personal burlesque pictures from my 50th birthday party? So Sharon, not only did I find them if you recall, or maybe you don't, I made a calendar out of them. So I actually oh. have a copy of the calendar that still sits on my bookshelf. But yes, oh, wait, I have wait. them digitized as well. So ready to put up for all the world to see. Oh my God. <laughs> that should be extra merch for us, right? It should be. People could do their Christmas shopping. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. We got to close this thing down, girl. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. 